How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 359 of X-Lapsed, where we've got one of those good news, bad news situations, I suppose. Um, good news is uh, I'm alive. Uh, you see, a funny thing happened on my way to do this uh, program yesterday. I was planning on putting this out yesterday, but uh, before I could uh, sit down and do it, my throat closed up. <laughs> it was a very, very... A strange sensation, a scary sensation. Um, I uh, had gotten up to take my uh, my vitamins in the morning, I, you know, like I usually do. And uh, one of my pills is is a uh, it's a fish oil pill. It's like a pressed salmon something or another. It's an omega three. I don't eat fish really, and uh, that's the only way I can make sure I get you know the good fats. And uh, this thing is a little larger than a regular, or one of my normal pills, I should say. And so I took it, and it felt like it got stuck in my throat. It didn't actually get stuck in my throat, but it felt like it did. And I, t- I took it, and I went into the uh, the pantry to grab something. I don't remember what. Maybe it was a piece of gum or something. But uh, when I got into the pantry, uh, my throat felt as though it closed up. I lost feeling in my fingers and toes, and I lost vision in my left eye. And uh, I started to freak out a little bit, and I couldn't breathe, and uh, my, like I said, my throat was just like, it was like I had a brick in my throat. And so I did the very intelligent thing of uh, grabbing for just about anything that I could shove down my throat to try to push or dislodge whatever it is that was blocking my uh, airwaves and wound up grabbing like three or four protein bars, just jammed them down my throat. They went down okay, but they didn't actually give me or offer me any kind of relief. My vision came back, but it was blurry. Like, everything was blurred. It was as though I wasn't wearing my glasses, even though I, I was. And so, I, you know, I, I managed to get myself over to the couch just to, like, sit down and just try to focus or, I guess, break focus or whatever the hell I was trying to do. I, I was really kind of in a state. And, well, it, it took some time, but, uh, you know, finally I felt like there was blood flowing to my, to my hands and my feet again. Because it was like that walk back from the pantry to, to the couch in the living room. It was like I was walking on, like, balloons, you know, it was like felt like very like prickly and itchy, but like not like an itch you can scratch. Very just like weird numbness, I guess. But the feeling came back. The vision was still screwed because uh, I was trying. You know, when I got back to the couch, I pulled a 
my laptop over and I'm trying to like see if I can figure out what the hell's wrong with me, you know, like we always do. And of course, it, that's not uh, something I would suggest doing. You know, don't go online and list your symptoms because you will find out you're going to die in nine, nine times out of ten. So I could see the screen, I just couldn't read it. Like, letters were not making sense, everything was just... It, it was pretty scary. It was pretty scary. Uh, finally, you know, everything kind of went back to normal, but I still had this tightness in, in my throat, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I, I tried, once I was able to read again, I, I, you know, was reading about how to, like, dislodge pills that are stuck in your throat, and they give you a, a bunch of... A bunch of uh, techniques that you look really ridiculous when you do it Like laying on your, like laying with your head bent upside Like laying with your head off the, off a seat or off the bed or something Where like you're kind of upside down in a way And then you drink that way because it like relaxes your throat And So of course I do that I'm spitting water everywhere, it's going up my nose I look like a friggin' idiot But uh, it didn't dislodge anything Because I, I guess there was really, there was nothing to dislodge so then I read even more, and it's like I'm showing symptoms of going into anaphylactic shock, which, uh, you know, it's like an allergic reaction, and, like, I'm thinking, did I suddenly overnight develop a a reaction to these fish oil pills? Because that was really the only thing that I had, you know, just... I, it happened right after I took that pill. And, I mean, it's silly to consider, because the pill was still a solid thing when I swallowed it. It wasn't like it had... Dissolved and gone through my body yet So rationally I suppose it's probably pretty clear Or maybe it, maybe it's not I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a doctor or nothing But I, I might be able to rule that out As a uh, catalyst for this You know, very odd <laughs> sensation But um, I eventually was able to You know, get my crap together um, Still felt weird Still felt kind of Kind of dizzy Kind of disoriented But I, uh I had work to do yesterday. I had to uh, leave the house to do some work, and so I had the wife, uh, you know, drive us down there. And uh, for the time that I was working, I really didn't. Uh, I didn't feel so strange. You know, I still had that weird lump in my throat, but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't something that was like uh, disorienting me. It wasn't something that was making me feel like sick or or like I was going to pass out or anything like it had when I was in the pantry. So I'm there, I'm doing the work and all that stuff And then on the way home, it, it comes back On the way home, the drive home I started to have that sensation again It wasn't as severe Didn't lose vision or nothing, didn't go blurry Didn't lose feeling, but uh, That heaviness and that, that thickness In my throat came back And I was really starting to Get nervous Because, um, I, I mean uh, you know, Bouts of dizziness are just something that kind of Happens sometimes if you stand up too fast Or whatever, but this was different. Uh, this was a, a very strange and um, out of the ordinary sort of uh, feeling. So you know, I was very, very close to just you know going into the hospital. But uh, I- I'm also quite a coward, <laughs> and you know what I don't know, what I don't know can't hurt me, I guess. Or I mean, it could kill me, but then at least I won't know. I won't see it coming. So no harm, no foul, I guess. But uh, we got home, uh, called into the dock, and went through you know what happened the day and. Rather than thinking that I had some sort of allergic reaction, uh, it was suggested that it was perhaps a severe panic attack, which, I mean, that's not something that I'm a stranger to. Uh, There was a time, I mean, I've been dealing with anxiety for many, many years now, and in fact, 
about a year and a half ago, I went through a bout of fairly uh, debilitating panic attacks where they were different than this, though. It's odd. Um, Like, I could tell that those were more neurotic or um, emotional, you know, emotion-based, where I, I can feel... You know, you feel like that, that motor or that engine revving up inside of you where, you know, you know you're on the brink of losing control of your emotions or whatever. You get that, you know, kind of lightheadedness. It was, you know, the full-blown kind of Tony Soprano <laughs> panic attacks. And I, that's what I that's what I was going through for a number of weeks uh, back in, um, like, late 2020, early 2021. Not something I ever talked about on the air. It was just something that I dealt with uh, on my off time, and I uh, was able to, you know, kind of get under control and keep under control. I was given these, like, emergency uh, pills, where it's like if I felt that coming on, you pop one, and it kind of it kind of so- soothes your soul a bit, and kind of takes you out of out of the game, puts you out of commission, and kind of ruins your next day because you're still kind of out of it. But at least you're not. You know, like freaking out anymore But um, this was different This was much more physical um, Like a physical manifestation of anxiety With uh, the inability to breathe and the numbness And uh, the doc just recommended that I take one of those pills And just see how it goes And I took it And um, I think it helped <laughs> You know, I'm, I still have an appointment And I'm still, you know, I still have the emergency room on standby If anything happens to me later on today I can just head in, but... As for right now, I feel, I feel totally, you know, straight in the head. It's just uh, that 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 lump is still in my throat a little bit, but everything else is okay. Can breathe fine. Um, feeling and you know, all fifteen fingers and thirty-eight toes. Uh, everything's so far so good. So that's the good news. The good news is I'm alive and uh, I'm able to be with you today. The bad news is, well, we still have to talk about Knights of X. So uh, eh, let's get into it. Knights of X number two had a July 2022 cover date. The story is called Part Two of Five. Thank goodness. Never split the party. Written by Teeny Howard with art by Bob Quinn. Colors Eric Oshinaga. Letters VCs Ariana Mar. Designs Tom Muller. Edits Okoye Brunstead White Sabalski. Cover price four bucks. This one allegedly went on sale the 1st of June 2022. Now we open at the Lunatic Citadel. Of course, that's the former Starlight Citadel. Now it's being run by Merlin instead of Saturnine. So we got Merlin here, and he's basically just yelling at everybody. And uh, the everybody consists of the, you know, Otherworld sector leaders, or the senators of each little, you know, fiefdom of Otherworld. Now, he does say witchbreed about 115 times, because, well, that's a term that Neil Gaiman coined, so it must be brilliant. He reveals here that uh, two of his leaders are, in fact, Witchbreed. Uh, we got Mad Jim Jaspers and uh, the absentee Mr. M. Now, Mr. M rules over Mercator, and uh, we've talked very, very little about Mr. M outside of uh, tossing around like some random theories very, very early on in X-Lapse. Let's talk a little bit about this fellow. It's uh, Absalon Mercator. Now, he first appeared in District X number 2, August 2004 cover date. District X was the, uh, it was like kind of a bishop uh, solo series uh, where he was uh, basically a cop in Mutant Town, a, a sec- section of uh, New York City. This would change into like Mutopia X after House of M, and then it would just kind of go away. Now, uh, Mercator was created by David's Hein and Yarden. He's an Omega-level mutant who popped up on info pages very early on in our post-Hoxpox, or maybe during Hoxpox days. 
Now, he would last uh, pop up during the terraformation of Mars, where he declined to help out when Magneto asked about, you know, helping with the terraformation. I don't know if we actually saw him. I can't remember whether or not we saw him or if Magneto just mentioned that he had gone to him and uh, got sent away. So, like I said, he is absentee to the scene here. He sent some proxies to this boring-ass scene. Uh, Meanwhile, Jim Jaspers is here. And he is cuffed with some sort of power-dampening collar that's full of Blightswill. Now, Blightswill is that powerful otherworldly booze. And, you know, hey, it has actually been a minute since we last saw power-dampening collars. It felt like those were popping up, like, every single issue early on during Dawn of X. So this is uh, almost a novelty, (laughs) seeing them now. Uh, We shift scenes to the quiet council chamber where Betsy, with the help of Rachel, and a circle comprised of several key members of the Betsy Britton Corps, including the Goose, of course, is uh, making contact with Professor X and the gang. Now, Betsy gives the quick and dirty on the Siege Perilous, talking about how it was, you know, last a big deal when she was leading the X-Men. And uh, the X-Men, if we could even call them that at the time, were just Betsy, Havoc, Dazzler, and Colossus. Betsy was the de facto leader of this crew for something like 20 pages. Now, Jubilee runs into the chamber to find out if Shogo's okay. Makes me ask a question here, might be an inconvenient one, but, um, are folks just allowed to, like, enter the chamber? Like, uh, I could have sworn that one kid in the Sabretooth miniseries, he was tossed in the pit for just simply trying to find out where the council chamber was. So it's kind of weird that people just come and go from the place. It's one of those things that just doesn't seem terribly evenly presented to us. Anyway, Betsy tells Jubilee that Shogo is okay. He's also, of course, a dragon. Uh, Sinister asks about Mordred, but seems more interested in getting a blood or hair sample for his DNA closet. Now, it seems as though Betsy's changed tactics a little bit, and this is going to be more of a cut-and-run scenario, which I will co-sign a million times over. You see... Rather than trying to, like, save Otherworld, she, it, it, at least this is how I'm taking it, seems like she's more interested in just bringing the mutants of Otherworld back to Krakoa. And from there, Otherworld could just, you know, crumble into pieces for anybody cares here. And, and I very much hope that it does. Anyway, Xavier wishes she and hers luck to uh, end the scene, and that takes us to our double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters today include Saturnine, Betsy Britton, Richter, Bathe Blood Moon, Megan, Kylan, Merlin, Roma Regina, Rachel, Shatterstar, Gambit, Shogo, Mordred, and King Arthur. From here, we hop into an info page where we find out how the Siege Perilous has helped the mutants many, many times before. Which, I mean, I can't say that it hasn't, but we've only really seen it, uh, you know, maybe once or twice. Especially, you know, toward the end of Claremont's first run. I guess we'll just, you know, take their word for it that it's happened a bunch of times uh, in the interim and before that. From here, we pop back to comics and we join Betsy and Rachel. Now, outside the... Wherever the hell it is that they're hanging out at We see that Kylan and Mordred are sparring And talking a bit of trash to one another Kylan seems to think that Mordred is doing something sinister to his mind But this isn't really fleshed out here Presumably it's something that we'll chew on a little bit later Now Rachel feels Jim Jaspers cry out And so he is going to be this issue's mission, I guess Now Betsy disobeys the cringy title of the issue And, uh, well, she decides to split the party She'll be leading some folks, and Gambit will be leading the others. Uh, And by the way, uh, Gambit's accent here has been ratcheted up to the point where it's damn near unintelligible. Also, uh, Bay the Blood Moon continues to annoy me by speaking at all, because her inability to communicate was 
pretty much the only interesting and special part about her. This kind of reminds me of when they started to let, like, Jericho talk over in Teen Titans, because, like, his whole gimmick was that... Well, it wasn't even a gimmick. It was his, his... Part of his tragic origin story is that he couldn't speak. And then they just make him speak. <laughs> it really just takes away some of the specialness and just, uh... I guess it just appeals to, to lazier writing. Anyway, from here, we head to the Crooked Market, where Gambit gives some old lady named uh, Ms. Geraldine a cherry pop-tart. And uh, not the porno comic, this is an actual toaster pastry, though I suppose him having an unwrapped Pop-Tart in his pocket makes about as much sense as a naughty comic book. Now, something you may or may not know about me is that uh, Pop-Tarts are kind of my kryptonite. I actually have not had a Pop-Tart since 2017 or so. Um, Something I I talked about a long, long time ago on um, one of the Chris's on Infinite Earths episodes was that... uh, I had uh, lost a bunch of weight. Uh, Ever since 2017, I've lost uh, near 100 pounds. And a large part of that was cutting Pop-Tarts out of my diet because I would go through one of the, not not one of the small boxes, one of the big boxes, like the 16-count boxes. I would go through damn near one of those a day. Just, I would eat eat the entire box. And that wasn't all I would eat. I would eat, you know, my regular food as well, you know, all the meals and drink a lot of sugary stuff, uh, but Pop-Tarts were kind of my true weakness. Like, I'd get up in the middle of the night, like 1, 2 in the morning, I'd come downstairs and I'd I'd eat a couple of Pop-Tarts, sometimes four Pop-Tarts, and I'd go back and I'd brush my teeth, and then a couple hours later I'd get up again and I'd eat more. It was uh, not, a, not a good time in my life. It was really dark, dark times, full of heartburn and acid reflux, and uh, throwing up almost every night from really severe acid reflux. Didn't think my life would ever get any better, and uh, turned out I was just one moment of profundity away from um, realizing that I needed to change my life, and Pop-Tarts were one of those things that I've never let back into my diet. You know, I've yeah, I've got weaknesses and cravings for certain foods. You know, I love, you know, I'll have a, a I'll buy a bag of Chex Mix every couple months, and I, you know, I'll spend a week going through it. It's just one of the things I love, but Pop-Tarts is where I drew the line. I have not had a single Pop-Tart since making that decision to to cut weight. And uh, I even had a fully, you know, a full unopened box of them in my pantry as a uh, as a temptation. And uh, I actually managed to keep them until they went bad. And they take a long time to go bad. So, uh, yeah, seeing a Pop-Tart here in this comic is a... Uh, I, I, I hate to use the word triggered, but I feel... <laughs> I feel that temptation... And I know that, you know, that's that's one thing. If I if I let myself indulge in just one, you know, like people have with potato chips, you can't just have one. That's the same with me with Pop-Tarts. You just can't have just one. You need to devour the entire box. So it's safer for me to just not. Anyway, back to the comic book here. Uh, Geraldine, she takes the treat, and she leads Gambit's crew to some tavern. Now, Gambit's team is uh, is comprised of himself, of course, uh, also Kylan, Bay, Rachel, and Megan. We hop inside that tavern, where our, our writer probably realized how silly it was for Gambit to be carrying a Pop-Tart, and so we double down, and he dumps out an entire bag of candy. Candy which he uh, apparently brought in hopes uh, of selling to the other worlders. Sure, <laughs> why not? I, I mean, I thought... When Betsy did the thing with the book, they were just all taken to Otherworld. I don't know that Gambit would have time to run to the pantry. Who knows? Anyway, it's worth noting here that he and Megan seem to be getting on quite well. 
like almost tellingly well, like this might be leading to something. Or maybe it's just the usual inability to write things subtly. Anyway, uh, Rachel uses her scan gimmick and deduces the role that Brightswell played in taking down Mad Jim Jaspers. She psychically shares this information with Betsy, who reveals that Brightswill is the only drink that's managed to put both Logan and Storm down on their asses. And I want to say that we did see a little bit of this back during that dinner party scene in Exitens. We stick with Betsy as our scene shifts to the floating whatever-the-hell of Roma, where uh, Betsy, Richter, Shatterstar, and Mordred are chatting up the lady of the house. And oh, uh, Shogo the dragon is there in the background as well. Roma reveals that King Arthur has a Sir Vescora among his numbers. Also that Sheriff Whitechapel, that uh, Carmen Sandiego-looking leader of Blightspoke, which is of course the place where you would find Blightswill, well, she's gone missing. And so that's who this half of the cocks are going to be attending to. Are you not entertained? Yeah, me too. And so with a snap of her fingers, Roma sends the crew to Blightspoke, where they're dropped into like a moving mass of Vescora. Now, these are the uh, critters who Kid Cable and his folks freed from the sword station, uh, who they're now strip mining the area, maybe for Mysterium. I could have sworn they looked more like insects back then. Here they just look like, you know, humanoids, like dudes. I, I could go back and double check, but I mean, what's the point? Anyway, they all fight for a bit, and it's, it's a fight scene. They then find Carmen Sandiego and her crew hovering above in a hanging cage, and the cocks rescue them. Or, at the very least, they free them from the cage, because it looks like Carmen might be falling to her death, though I'm sure she'll be okay. Betsy and company leave, ready to chat up death. Now, death, as in Apocalypse's Anubis-headed son, who is currently in Sevilith, the vampiric region of Otherworld. From here, we hop back to Gambit's crew, where they're being attacked by giant furies. Now, Gambit is using uh, tarot cards here to charge and toss, and I think we saw him steal those from Saturnine's closet uh, back in the long ago. Can't remember if it was before Exitens, during Exitens, after, I mean, who knows. Anyway, one of the Furies spots Rachel, scans her, and declares that she's an anomaly. They also drop the Ascani word there, and uh, she is referred to as a soul individual, meaning that in the multiverse, there's only one of her. Now, this isn't technically true, but true enough for it to be a plot point. Now, the Ascani stuff, well, maybe we'll talk about that another time. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were, I would suggest that that probably won't come up again during the story, though of course I could be wrong. Now, one of the giant furies is holding Jim Jaspers, who's dressed as a court jester. Gambit promises to deal out some <sighs> mutant justice, which is a line he actually says and are words that someone actually got paid to write. I'm going to deal out mutant justice. Okay. Uh, from here, info page, and it's a letter from Doug to Richter about the grimoire of A. Now, Richter, if you remember, he had asked Doug to translate it. Uh, this is all through info pages. And uh, if you don't remember that, I don't blame you. Doug asks if Apocalypse left Richter all of his crap in his will... Makes me ask the question, did Apocalypse die? And <laughs> we just missed it? Is our writer not even reading their own books? Um, wills are about death, right? Not about leaving town. I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too literal there. Maybe I'm just looking for something to complain about. I've, I've been accused of that of late. 
Anyway, to the wrap-up, we see Betsy and the gang are spotted by some Sevalithian vampires, and that's it. Next episode, we're talking Wolverine and Deadpool. But uh, for now, I don't have much to say about this issue, and um, I promised a few episodes ago I would not waste everybody's time repeating myself and just dwelling on on the negative. But uh, I guess suffice to say, I did not enjoy this. Uh, credit where it's due, the art is gorgeous. Um, and also, I do appreciate that this seems to be more focused than Excalibur ever was. I mean, this is unabashedly the story that it is. So we're not, like, wasting any time. We're not we're not pretending it's not what it is. And I'll definitely give credit for that because as little interest as I have in, in all things Otherworld, um, I can certainly appreciate when a story is trying to be told a certain way and when a writer seems to have a goal as to the story that they're, they're trying to tell. And this feels very much like it's headed to the point it's supposed to be headed toward and not just be eating up pages of a ongoing that we don't know if or when it'll ever come to a to a close. So while this does precious little for me, and I still see it as being, uh, you know, emblematic of the ridiculous amounts of bloat in this line of books, I can appreciate that they ha- they seem to have a point with this book, and they're not wasting their time getting there. I mean, you can argue that five issues might be five issues too long for a story like this, but at least it ain't 25, right? But um, I think that's about all I have to say here. Don't Like I said, don't have much to say. And of course, I do welcome any and all opinions about any and all of these books. So if you'd like to uh, check in and uh, chat me up about any of these, I would encourage you to do so. You can find me several different ways. I'm on Twitter at Ace Comics, Instagram at 90s... Uh, 90s Comics, no, 90s X-Men. The email I... Well, should I even bother giving the email out? Um, it's full of... Uh, it's full of porn and dick pills and um, sweepstakes right now, so you might not even be able to send it to me because some wonderfully thoughtful individual uh, decided to use that email to sign up for all manner of nastiness. So um, thanks for that. The website, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. Facebook is, again, 90s X-Men. And, of course, the complete audio archives are available at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. You find that anywhere you find noise on the Internet. So that's where I'll leave it for today. I want to thank you all so much for choosing to spend a little bit of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.